Yes. Let's say it together. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And we're talking about doing the works of Jesus. And uh, Jesus had a very said a very important thing. I'll show it to you in Isaiah 61 and also in the New Testament, in both Old and New. And Jesus spoke these words in the synagogue. And uh, very powerful, very powerful words. He spoke them himself. And every kind of healing and deliverance is in this section of the scripture. And I wanted to show you. And I want to go through each area of the different anointings. First of all, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's filled me with His Spirit. And that's the anointing to empower you. The Lord has anointed and qualified me to proclaim good news to the poor. Of course, I've taken several translations together, Amplified and NIV, and to make it more clear to you. So He's anointed and He's qualified me to proclaim the good news to the poor. That's an anointing to, to qualify you and to give you the ability to do what he's called you to do. And he has sent me, he sent you, to do certain things. And you're doing his works, the works of Christ, and greater works, because we can multiply what he's done by the body of Christ. We multiply the works. Amen. To bind up and heal the brokenhearted. Very important. And we're here, I'm talking about the soul area. Broken hearts. I'll go more into that in a minute. Proclaim freedom to the captives. This is Jesus speaking. Different kinds of healing. Different kinds of levels of freedom. The opening of the prison to those who are bound. Again, in the oppression, demonic area. And, and that's an anointing to set uh, is anointing to set captives free, an anointing to open prison doors, to comfort all who mourn, and to grant consolation to those who mourn, to give them beauty instead of ashes. Now, where can you go and bring ashes and trade it in and get beauty? Amen. Only by the Lord. Amen. Nowhere else. Amen. You know, this was Jesus' ministry on the earth too. Remember, he spoke to the woman at the well. She had a broken heart. She'd been cast away by five men. And the man she was living with wasn't her husband, Jesus said to her. He spoke to her. She had a broken heart. Five men had cast her away. If you've been through one divorce, you know how devastating that is emotionally. This woman had five divorces behind her. Jesus spoke to the woman who was caught in adultery. He, she spoke, he spoke to her wounds. And he said to her, I do not condemn you. Those who have sinned throw the first stone. And he had told her, go and sin no more. But he spoke to her and said, you are worth living. We're not going to kill you. You are worth living. You can, in my power, go and sin no more. Amen. He spoke again to her brokenness. Amen. Jesus also, uh, the woman with the issue of blood, when she touched him, was immediately healed. And Jesus made a scene out of it. He said, who touched me? <laughs> And you know, he could have just let it go, but he chose to focus on this woman and said, and she had been healed immediately. And she had 
been sick for many years with an issue of blood. She was a castaway. She was rejected by society. She could not touch anyone. She lost her family. She lost her children because she obviously had gave birth and then this issue of blood came. And Jesus healed her, gave her identity back, gave her family back, gave her relationships back. He touched her brokenness. So you can see how this scripture just shows all the things that Jesus did. And he brings beauty for our ashes. Now I do a course called Beauty for Ashes in Dutch. They call it school night for us. And uh, it's uh, healing, bringing healing to those who are broken, who suffered physical abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, divorce, trauma, to bring healing to those people. Because it breaks your heart, it breaks your will, it breaks you in the soul area, especially. And you know, the spirit, soul, and the body are connected, intricately connected. Yeah. And if there's brokenness in the soul, it affects the spirit and the body. Mm. We know that today. And most people don't like to touch, talk about the soul area, to bring healing to the soul, to the broken heart. But it's necessary if we're going to do the works of Jesus. Amen. Very necessary. Because the brokenness holds you back from moving ahead. The brokenness can keep you bound in sin, like the woman caught in adultery. The brokenness can keep you uh, physically ill, like the woman with the issue of blood. Years and years of sickness. Brokenness can keep you uh, marrying the same type of man that abuses you over and over again and throws you away. Just like the woman who had been married five times. I'm sure she, it wasn't her choice that she was thrown away. She just married the wrong person every time because of her brokenness. Mm. And so Jesus needs to heal the area of the soul. Now, how many of you are the first generation of Christians in your family? Your parents were not saved. You're the first ones. Okay, how many are second generation Christians? Parents were saved? Yeah, okay. It's a good mixture. Very good. The, the thing is, our church doesn't talk about the healing of the soul area. I don't know why, I've sometimes I've been afraid of emotions, been afraid of, uh, but it's so important, I say, a broken heart blocks your calling. A broken heart keeps you from being tenacious, tenacious. You take two steps forward, and then you take one back because of the brokenness. Or you have three months time where you pull back in depression, you lose three months of your life, and you're not able to function at that time, and then you restore, and then you move ahead, but then something hits you and you fall back. The broken heart can keep you from uh, attaining your destiny. Mm, yeah. It can block it, yeah. or it can cause you to not even uh, try to go for it. Oh, yeah. mm. And so, this is an area that's very close on my heart. And these are the works of Jesus, binding up the broken hearted, freedom to the captives, opening the prison doors, Comforting and uh, giving them beauty instead of ashes. So the first area, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has filled me with His Spirit. Now I hope you all have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there's a, a scripture. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? And they answered him, no. We've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. And so there is another uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an extra experience over your salvation. Amen. And it's an extra empowerment, and you need it. 
It's an anointing to empower you. Yes. You need it. I was a very timid, quiet girl because I grew up in a farm in Canada, and there were, we were seven children, and uh, grew up in sort of a rural area, so you don't have a lot of social contacts. I was very quiet and very timid. And when I got saved, you know, they wanted you to give your testimony. Well, if, if they asked me, I couldn't speak a word. I, I would forget my name. <laughs> I was so afraid and so timid. And, uh, it was, uh, it, was just, it was just because I grew up in a, in a rural area, on a, on a farm, and my father had 13,000 chickens. <laughs> anyway, John says he got the best chicken of them all, so. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, but then I, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the dynamite, the boldness came upon me. <laughs> And as you see, I'm not afraid. <laughs> I'm not afraid of devils. And yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit makes a difference. It empowers you. It empowers you to do what God's called you to do. And when you pray in the Spirit, you sensitize your spirit to the gifts of the Spirit. You, it opens the door for operating in the gifts of the Spirit. If you don't ever pray in the Spirit, you know, the sensitivity is not there. You need to spend time, if you know, you can pray in the spirit while you're driving your car. You don't have to have your mind to do it because it comes out of your spirit. Yeah. Mm. You get back in the house and pray in the spirit. And take the time to do that daily because it builds up your inner man and makes you sensitive to hear the voice of the spirit because you're connecting. And the Lord sees that you're wanting to connect with him and he rewards it. Amen? So, very important. So if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then talk to me afterwards. I'll be glad to pray for you. All right, yes. yes. Yeah. And then the Lord has anointed and qualified, qualified me to proclaim the good news. But, you know, qualification, um, sometimes, you know, the Lord gives us a word that he wants us to do certain things. And uh, but we forget that there's an enemy out there that wants to resist us. We forget that. And, um, and how we react, what is the devil whispering in your ears? Now, some of you have received some words from the Lord, and he's told you some things. What is your next, you know, you slept a night, and the next day you think about it. What are you thinking? Are you thinking, yeah, God, you're going to do that? Or are you thinking, oh, is the enemy trying to discourage you? What is he whispering? The Bible says, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters, he accuses and keeps bringing charges against them before our God day and night. And in our insecurity, this insecurity can be used as a weapon of the devil against us, not to move forward, to, to silence you, to make you feel like you can't do it, to discourage you. And we have to be careful what voices we listen to. And he's qualified you. He, if he's called you to do something, the gifts are inside of you. It's up to you now to stir up those gifts, like Timothy says. Stir up the gifts that are in you through the laying on of hands, through prophecy. So if God called you, there's some gifts in there. Maybe they haven't manifested yet, but you've got to start stirring them up. And stirring them up is starting to walk in them. Amen. Yeah. So stir up those gifts that are within you. God's giving you a job. He's going to qualify you. And sometimes you have to do the stirring and step out. Yeah? All right. The first time, I, I, I said I was a very timid person, the first time uh, John took me uh, speaking with him, he would have me stand beside him. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
and I was allowed to interject every now and then, you know, if I had a something. So that was my way of getting used to standing in front of people. But my husband encouraged me. So if you have a husband or a wife, encourage their giftings. Amen. Make it possible. If, if you need to look after the baby so your wife can do something for the Lord, then do that. If you have to do the dishes for your wife so she can do something, then make it possible. Encourage each other in your gifts so that you can be the fullness of what God's called you to. Yeah? That's an area that men have to uh, learn to facilitate their wife's gifts. Men learn to facilitate your wife's gifts. Hallelujah. That they aren't just called to be doing dishes and cooking. They, God has called many women to do many good things for the kingdom. Facilitate their gift. Make it possible. God will bless you for that. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Now we have to be careful in this area because there's so many. Um, I don't know, uh, you know what. You, I don't know what you men are thinking. I, I, I don't know what's inside your head or what kind, how you've been brought up. But in a lot of cases, in the some of the families that I know from Suriname, for example, because we minister, <coughs> excuse me, we minister in Suriname, the men have been taught that they don't do any women work, <laughs> and, uh, and so we are to, uh, encouraged them to facilitate your wife and her gifts. She's, the she's your sister in Christ, not only your wife. She's a sister in Christ. She's God's daughter, and he's going to use her. So don't stand in the way, brother, <laughs> to get in trouble with Father God. <laughs> yeah, hallelujah. Amen. Then there's anointing to heal the brokenhearted. Isaiah 61 says, and it's anointing for healing and inner healing. And uh, as I told you before, the soul is con intricately connected to the spirit and the body. And if there's brokenness in one area, it will affect the others. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. And um, honestly, some of you have gone through some terrible things in your life. Traumas, divorces, abuse, verbal abuse, uh, domestic violence. Some of you have gone through some of those things. And there's scars on your heart. And they need healing. They need to be healed so you can go on. And there's a beautiful uh, the scripture. It's uh, he heals the brokenhearted in Psalm 147.3. The brokenhearted is shavar, the Hebrew word. And it means crushed, ruptured, broken, maimed, crippled, shattered. So you think of a mirror hitting the floor, the shattered pieces. The broken heart, broken in pieces. And it's hurt, it hurts, it's shattered. And that's the Hebrew word. And then the other word, oops, sorry, one at a time. Bind, oh, they both came up. The word binding, it binds up their wounds, shabash. It means that, the Hebrew word means to tie, to bind together, to bandage. God reaches down into our innermost being and he touches our wounds, he bandage, bandages them, and he heals them. There's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Touches our wounds. That's in Shabash. And then heals, of course, we all know Rapha, Jehovah Rapha, the healer. And the word heal does, it means Rapha, healing, a deep healing that takes place. There's one more word here, Akshabet, and it's about the wounds, the kind of wounds. And these are severe, deep wounds that cause sorrow. And so when you read that, 
He, Rafa, heals the broken Shabar hearts. And he shabash binds them and, he, and bandages them up, up their deep wounds of sorrow. Beautiful, huh? Amen. And that's Amen. very close to God's heart, this ministry. There's actually another scripture. Let's see if I wrote it down here. Yes, Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Amen. Close to them. Amen. Wow, amazing. And if he's close to them and you're helping them, guess what? You have a reward. Amen. So he's sent you also to heal the brokenhearted. He's sent you as part of your calling to do the works of Jesus. The same works that he did, we can do in greater works. Amen? Amen. He heals and binds up their wounds. Some examples, I see that's the enemy shooting up. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's the thief. But Jesus came to give life with fun of life. Yeah. And here comes mom. A, a soul can be wounded by your own sin, yeah. and you have to forgive yourself. Amen. Yeah, you've missed it. Your rebellion, sin, disobedience, addictions, anger out of control. The Bible says be angry and sin not. Yeah. The anger out of control is sinning. And so there, you can damage your soul through your own sin. And there's a scripture, I have Psalm 41.4 up there, I'll just read it to you. Didn't have room to put all the verses up. I said, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. Yeah. So heal my soul, because I've sinned against you. So there was a sorrow in the soul area that God wanted to touch. And then we have the area, the soul is wounded by those who sin against us abuse, I talked about, mistreatment, or broken relationships. And uh, some have gone through, like I said, my course in Beauty for Ashes is all about bringing healing to people who have suffered abuse. Last year I ministered to 100 people who came, and there were a number of men that also came out because they had been sexually abused, or uh, violently physically abused by, by fathers, angry fathers. And uh, and there quite a number of people last year that received healing for their broken hearts. It was very beautiful. And it's amazing to see what a broken heart causes. A broken heart can cause people to be sick physically, to have uh, rashes, to have uh, nervous, uh, nervous things, uh, fear, phobias. Uh, it can manifest, a broken heart can manifest in many ways because God did not create us for abuse or mistreatment. That's right. He did not. So when it happens, our body responds. Yeah. Oh, 2 Corinthians 11.20 says, you, oh, this is an interesting scripture. Are you ready for it? You tolerate anyone who orders you around, or takes advantage of you, or traps you, or looks down on you, or slaps you in the face. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to tolerate that behavior. You're not supposed to. It's not right. You're supposed to treat each other with respect, brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Yeah, even when you fight as a husband and wife, you should treat each other with respect and not call each other names and downgrade each other. Keep, keep objective when you have your arguments Amen. that you don't tear each other down and lose control of your anger. Because that's a loss of control of anger. Your words, 
pierce the heart. So, you know, they say the uh, verbal abuse, you can't see the wounds like you can with physical abuse. You don't see black and blue marks and wounds. But verbal abuse leaves deep bruises in the heart. And so when you have a husband and wife and you have trouble with that area of staying objective in your... Yeah, you can have a fight. Yeah, every six weeks a good one. <laughs> if they say it's normal, every six weeks a good blow-up is okay, normal. But how you handle yourself in the blow-up tells what's in your past. Because of loss of control of anger shows there's some history that has to be taken care of. Yeah? Okay. okay. If you feel guilty right now, just ask the Holy Spirit to give you the answer. A soul is wounded, wounded also by fatherlessness. And uh, many cultures, like I said in Syrian Amis, oh, Georgia, this is normal here, you know. Yeah, the women care, care for the children, and the men take off, and they have two or three women, and five or six kids here and there. And it's normal in our culture, Georgia. I don't know how it is in your culture. But uh, that's not God's culture, I'm sorry. No, and God says that it's normal to have a father and a mother who are together and married, who raise their children and the love of the Lord and love with each other. And that's God's culture. And when you have not had a father, or it's, it's a deep, deep wound that most people don't recognize, or they deny it because the culture says it's okay. And many times in Suriname, I've said to people, well, let's just pray and ask the Lord. You know, you say it's not a big problem, you know, you feel okay about it, but you didn't have a father, and you don't feel like there's any, any loss. Let's take time and pray about it. So, and I start praying for them, and, and then we just ask the Holy Spirit to touch that area of heart, and all of a sudden, a scream comes out. The pain comes to the surface. Yeah. And you see the programs on TV, you, you have those where they, Someone's trying to find their mother. They were adopted. They're trying to find their mother now. Do you have those programs in Holland? We have them in Germany. And the intensity of the desire to know who their mother was, who their father was, is amazing. The intensity of, of finding this person. It's just, when you watch these programs, you see the, the wound in their heart. And, it, and they've never seen this, and all of a sudden they come together, they've never seen each other. And, and it's like amazing uh, how they greet each other and hug each other, and because there are, they are the father, they are the mother. Mm. Yeah, it's very beautiful. Mm. But divorce, addiction, rejection, the death of a loved one, can all be wounds that the Lord needs to touch and heal so you can go on. Amen. Don't push the wound down and say, okay, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to go on, you know? So going to push it down, just keep going. Mm. It's going to manifest when you least expect it. Yeah. It's best to take care of it, get the healing for mm. it, and then move on. Amen. Amen? Mm. A wounded soul can cause physical ailments. I just talked about that. And uh, you know the scripture, it says, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul. Oh. Your soul. So if your soul is broken, you have a broken heart, that's going to affect your health and your prosperity in your life. Look at it that way, that scripture. As your soul prospers, so will your health and other things. 
And so it's really important. So many people in the church are afraid to touch this area, but it's a very important area of healing. Yeah. Amen. 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 The wounded soul by sexual sin also. It's wounded by sexual sin. I'll just show you the next slide. Sexual sin, this wound causes demonic strongholds of lust, adultery, fornication, perverseness, pornography, incest, and sexual obsessions. And you see the soul ties when there are sexual relationships outside of marriage. There are ties to all the people you've had sexual relations with. Soul ties. And God made it for the purpose for marriage, that the soul tie would bond the couple, husband and wife, together in a lifetime relationship. Amen. So they would bond, and the bond of love would keep them lifetime. Amen? But then, in the, in the negative, it also works, unfortunately. Every sexual relationship, a tie to that person, an invisible tie, is made between themselves and another person, which demons can pass between Demonic influences can pass in between. Yes. Sexual soul ties bind sexual partners that only can be broken through prayer by cutting, you know, repenting, Lord, forgive me for the relationships I had before I was married. And I, I, I thank you for forgiving me. And I cut the soul tie in the name of Jesus between me and so on and so on. And I thank you uh, for setting me free from any demonic. Uh, transference that happened during these relationships. I command every unclean spirit, every demonic oppression that came through this soul tie to leave me in Jesus' name. And then thank you for restoring my soul because it fractures my soul. Restoring my soul so that I can give myself to my marriage partner or my future marriage partner. It's a very important prayer. And if you know, before you came to Christ, some of you are, are first generation Christians. There's a chance that you lived a life of sin. When you're a sinner, you're a sinner, right? You sin. And so there's a chance that there's some things you have to cut out of your life to clean up. It's not a problem for God, but it's important to clean up because the only way to cut those ties is through prayer. Yeah? Praying five hours a day won't do it. Fasting won't do it. But praying in the name of Jesus to break those ties and repent for the sin of it. Amen? Amen. This wound travels also through family generational lines, defining future generations with a vulnerability towards sexual sin or they even transfer unclean spirits to the next generation. And in Suriname, for example, there's um, first generation Christians are coming to the meetings and they're having demonic problems. And because it's coming down through the generations, they didn't open the door themselves but it came through the generations. And there were unclean spirits that were attacking them in the night. And we had to take care, cut off the uh, generational ties, take care of that area so they could be set free. Yes. Very important. So what you do affects your future generations. Amen. Scary, huh? So take care of them. I have several good scriptures for you. Run away from sexual immorality in any form, thought, behavior, visual or written. That includes pornography, that includes uh, writing uh, obscene things, that's behavior, your thought life. Includes almost run away from those things to keep your heart pure. 
If you want to be used by God, you've got to keep yourself pure from these sexual sins because unclean spirits will come into your life if you don't keep that door closed. If you have a pornography addiction or a sex addiction, you, yeah, it will bring unclean spirits into your life and you will not be able to be an honorable man or woman of God. You will be pulled into sexual sin or vulnerable to temptation. A vulnerability will be there. Yeah. Some people are more vulnerable than others because of their past or because of the family past. Okay, Proverbs 6.32. Whoever commits adultery with a woman or a man is out of their mind. Okay. And by doing so, they corrupt their own soul, defiling own body and soul and the future generations. Whoa. If you want, you can take a picture of those scriptures with your phone if you like. So it's very serious to take care of that area. We want to do the works of God, right? We want to do the things that Jesus, we want to do the, step into our callings. But sometimes we have to do some cleanup work back here. Yeah. And that's okay to take care of it. Don't just say, oh, I feel guilty now. I, now I'm not going to do nothing. No, that's not the point. If you feel convicted, then get prayer, take care of it, yes. cast out the devil, and move on. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes. Oftentimes in my meetings, uh, near the end, we cover the area of occult also. And uh, we uh, break unclean ties and occult ties to the generations. And that's where I get most of the manifestations in that prayer, through the generational lines coming through unclean spirits and occult spirits but they haven't done it themselves, but they have some oppression because of generational things. Mm. Interesting, huh? Yeah, spiritual effects. So why is healing from a broken heart necessary? Why? Why is healing necessary? Because a broken heart causes emotional wounds, which if not cleansed and released, I said take care of them in prayer, will grow and fester into spiritual wounds, such as unforgiveness, envy, Bitterness, blaming God, and anger, everything you can think of. They, it will grow. Emotional wounds turn into spiritual wounds. Spiritual wounds, so there, he's showing up. Uh-oh. The spiritual wounds open us to evil spirits, which take advantage of our woundedness, take advantage of our trauma, take advantage of our broken hearts, and invade us. And people who have broken hearts are potential victims of demonic spirits. It's an open door. Yeah, because there's bitterness involved, you're angry, there's injustice involved, unforgiveness because of wrong things done to you, broken heart, circumstances, why did this happen to me, God? And the Bible says, guard your heart. Yeah, guard your heart from those things, from bitterness that, that emotional wounds don't turn into demonic oppression. Guard your heart with all diligence, because out of it are the issues of life. Can you just say, in Jesus' name with me? In, in Jesus, Jesus' name. There he goes. Woo! It's gone. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, we have authority to get rid of him. Amen. Jesus wants to completely heal us in our spirit, our soul, and our body. 
and we can do the so we can do the plan of God for our lives. And there's a scripture again that you will prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. He's warned us to tell us, hey, there's a hint. Is your soul prospering? Are you taking care of those issues? Have you received prayer for those things that are necessary? Don't just push them aside and think, oh, that doesn't affect me. They do affect you. They do affect your life. Another area, Jesus has anointed me to proclaim freedom to the captives. And here it says physical and spiritual captives. And it's an anointing to set captives free. Yes. And there's different types of captivity. And one is, I have financial captivity caught in a web of overspending. Uh, when the economy crashes and you, you know, your businesses go down the drain, uh, car accidents uh, cause uh, loss of finances because you have to, uh, yeah, loss of finances. Divorce has plundered your finances. Through divorce, uh, poverty level has gone very much higher. Through divorce, the poverty level has gone higher because women are left without financial resources and raising their children without uh, extra income and uh, through divorce, financial captivity. Captivity of gifts and talents I've got here caused by low self-worth. God's created you with a calling from birth. And I heard John speak to a couple people this morning where the Lord was going to ask them to be bold and to step out and not to be timid. So that's an encouragement that your gifts are captive because of your shyness or timidity or fear of failure. And a lot of times it's fear of failure. And there's something, there's a history behind that fear of failure. There's a history. There's something behind there that's holding you back that caused the fear of failure to come into your life. And you need to get healing for what it was that, that put that fear in you. It comes from somewhere, it just doesn't come out of the air. Some experience you had made you afraid of trying some new things for fear of failing. Yeah. So that's that captivity. Also emotional captivity. Depression is a captivity, wouldn't you say? It captivates people. They can't get free of it. Uh, fear and anxiety is a captivity. Have you ever, have you, I don't know if any of you ever experienced a panic attack or had a fearful situation where you, you felt like fear took you over. That's a form of captivity. It's very difficult to get out of the grip of that. And people who suffer panic attacks usually have also a history of wounds that need to be taken care of. If you have pa uh, panic attacks or phobias, there's a history behind it, and the Lord wants to touch whatever it was that caused those things to come in your life. That just, just doesn't happen without some incident having taken place in your life and then a phobia comes in your life, or, you know, or a, a panic attacks come in your life. There's, there's something behind it. I'm ministering to a lady right now, and um, in her first marriage, her husband tried to poison her, and she didn't know it until she was in the hospital. He tried to kill her through poison. And so this lady has a phobia, had a phobia afterwards, and she wouldn't eat or drink anything anywhere except her own house where she could control what was going on. She wouldn't drink coffee at church. If she visited you, she wouldn't accept anything, any food or any cookies. She wouldn't, uh, you know, that was just part of it. That's only part of the phobia. 
And uh, so we started to minister to her and we prayed for inner healing for her, for this situation where her husband tried to kill her through poisoning and how she felt that she couldn't trust anyone anymore and how she closed herself off and how fear came into her life, fear of dying. And so we prayed inner healing prayers for her. And afterwards, she was, she was free. She was able to, okay, you say, okay, drink coffee <laughs> at your house. But listen, if that's your phobia, it's a big breakthrough. Oh, yeah. If now, if it's gone, if the phobia yeah. is gone. Another lady had a phobia for um, spiders. Okay, but I'm talking about just looking at a picture of a spider. You should look at a picture of a spider, and right away she had a panic attack. So she had a phobia to spiders. And she took the course, Beauty for Ashes, and she had been... She had been sexually abused in her life by uh, a man in the family. And as a result, she had this phobia, different phobia started to develop. And she had this one about spiders. And you know, it seems spiders are harmless. She can take a shoe and go wham, you know. But, <laughs> but just looking at a picture already sent her into a panic attack. Or she saw him on TV. Her husband said, have to quickly turn the channel. And um, and after we ministered to her through healing, through the, getting through healing through the sexual abuse that she went through in her life, the phobia dropped. She had it no more. All of a sudden, there was some spiders on the TV, and her husband was ready to turn the channel, and she was okay. <laughs> you know, what's wrong with you? What happened to you? You know, and the phobia had just dropped off. So it shows that they, they these things develop through uh, traumatic things happening to us, and God can heal them and set you free. Those things all hold you back. For moving ahead. Mm. If, you, if you have problems of panic attacks, you never know when they're going to happen. You are afraid to sometimes even go out of your house, or you're afraid to take new situations because you have no control. Mm. They control your life. These things control your life. They take, they take your life. And if you don't get healing from them, they take more of your life, more mm. of your life, more. They don't stop. Mm. They keep taking more territory. So it's important to get free from those things and find out what's behind it. Yeah, on that? I see I have some people agreeing with me, okay. Some of you are looking shocked, like, oh my God, what do you do? I set the cactus free, that's what I do. And I love to see how the Lord does it in a beautiful way. Yes. And there's different areas of captivity, I told you, depression. There's a number of different scriptures. You can take a picture of this and look up the scriptures. Captives held captive by strongholds. You can take a picture and then you can look up the scriptures later. Anyone need another minute? Many of God's laws and commands are in conflict with our culture. As you can see, I have a portion up there, same-sex Sex with same gender or transgender. Our culture says it's okay, it's politically correct. But God's culture says no, it's not. It's not good. That's right. Okay. Chains of unforgiveness. Many have had suffered many things, and if you've been through a divorce or someone has mistreated you or there's been injustice or racism, unfair treatment then we have to be careful that we don't get in chains of unforgiveness. Because this is what happens, you're offended, and the person who offended you, you're automatically chained through bitterness, through anger. The chain 
takes, it comes in place. And it changes you emotionally to that person because of what they've done. And every time you think of that person, the anger, or the, how could they, uh, they've done me wrong, bitterness, unforgiveness, that chain can only be broken by forgiveness. Mm. And it's uh, a chain that emotionally and spiritually binds you to the offender through unforgiveness. Mm. And such a grudge sustains the hurt of the, the offended person feels, and the bondage can never be broken, no matter how much distance is put between you or how many years it was ago. Mm. Only way to break that chain is forgiveness. Mm. And of course, when I minister to people who suffer different kinds of abuse, there's obviously there's some resentment and uh, bad wishes and unforgiveness. And we uh, encourage them and bring them to the point to forgive the person who has harmed them because the Word of God says it's necessary to do that and to cut that chain. And when they see that chain, they think, oh my God, I'm, I'm still connected to my abuser. I don't want that. I want to be set free. The abuser is judged by God. He has, he's judged for his own sin. When we cut that chain and forgive them, we're not saying what they did was good. We're not saying what they did was right. They are answerable to God. And we, when we cut that chain, we're setting ourselves free from the bitterness and anger and the pain. And the, all, everything is connected to that. And we're just setting ourselves free by forgiving them. And they are responsible to God for what they've done. And God will hold them accountable. He says, judgment is mine. Rock of revenge is mine. Amen? So breaking chains of unforgiveness, very important. Is there anyone that you, yeah, can think of that you have had a hard time to forgive? And divorce, of course, is a very big thing because it's the person that's most closest to you. They know your weaknesses. They know, yeah, your strengths. They know everything about you. They know your family. And when a divorce happens, uh, it can be very, very nasty. There's very few uh, divorces where you can say that both parties were friendly. That doesn't happen much. And so there's often a, uh, unforgiveness there, and especially if, if the man, for example, has gone for a younger woman, and is financially stable, and not supporting his ex-wife or the children, it can be a deep, deep resentment and unforgiveness that can develop. You can't control that situation, but you, you can control if you can forgive. Yeah, it's up to God to take care of the other person. That's right. Amen. Amen. Of course, you, you need to do your legal things that you need to do. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying forgiveness is, is life-saving. Life-saving for your future. Life-saving. You need to cut yourself free from your ex-partner. Yeah? Amen. He sent me to open the prison to those who are bound. And prison doors, is, you know, you're locked, you're locked up. You don't have the key. You don't have the key. And, and it, it represents like a bondage, like a um, demonic bondage, demonic oppression. Um, yeah, it represents uh, being bound in prison, the doors locked. And uh, it's an anointing for deliverance. For setting people free. And uh, not everyone is, um, should I say this, it's not always your fault if there's demonic things going on in your life. Sometimes it comes to the generations, I told you earlier. 
but you still have to close those doors. Amen. It may not be your fault you didn't open those doors, but it come in through the generational line. And if you've come from different countries, like in Suriname, I say, if you were born here in Suriname, then in your generations, there's gonna be people who did Winty. And I'll say, now you, in this generation, have to close the door of the generations. We cut all old cult ties from the generations. The Bible says three or four generations. Then we cut the unclean spirits, the sexual sins, the fornication, the living together without being married, the many wives. We cut the unclean spirits coming through the generations in Jesus' name. And that's where we have the most manifestations when we pray for people yes. in, our, in our meetings. And in other cases, you are the blame for the door being open, for the enemy coming in if you dabble with the occult. Play Ouija boards, get your hand red. Uh, yeah, there's all kinds of things you can do. And these days, uh, if there's young people, uh, warn your children about this thing called Charlie Charlie. It's, uh, it's like a Ouija board almost. And we use two pencils on a piece of paper, yes and no, and they speak to the thing, and it gives them answers. It's like a Ouija board, only it's a modern version. Ask your children if they know anything about Charlie Charlie. Make sure they stay away from it. When school, uh, there were a number of students playing with it in the school. And as a result, an evil spirit came into the school. And they couldn't get rid of it. Until Christian came, of course, and cleansed the place. But they opened the door and the spirit came in as a result of playing with this thing. The evil spirit took, they opened the door for it, gave it a right to live there. Yeah. And so uh, sometimes we open the door ourselves. And there are different, different kinds of doors, and it's important to close those doors. Amen. Now, if you come out of um, Africa, Nigeria, you know what they practice in your generations. You know if you go back three or four generations. What did you, were you Christians three or four generations? If you go back four generations, you have people practicing occult things. Did your people, you know, in Curacao, I have a number of people coming from Curacao or the Caribbean, and they have Gua there. And so I say, well, we've got to close the door to the generations for Brua, voodoo, whatever. And it's important to do a generational prayer. It's very important. You may say, well, I'm a new Christian, I'm a, I'm a new creature. Uh, Jesus, you're tied. Jesus tied you with your family. You have a family line. And blessings can come through that line. If you have pastors in your family line, the blessings, can, the callings can come down the line on you also. But if you have occult and cursing, it can come on to you through the line. Uh, I have had so many examples of people where someone in their family died that was not a Christian. And that a spirit, evil spirit, left the person and came to find someone else in the family to live in. And they often will go to the children because they're innocent and they don't know any better. And all of a sudden this child's talking to an invisible friend. Yeah, where did that come from? Who is that invisible friend they're talking to? Yeah, okay, I've heard many stories of that. Okay, hallelujah. So we'll go on. First Peter 5, 8. So as Christians, this is a warning for Christians. It says, uh, in, okay, I have got the scripture. 5, 8 tells us that the devil is going around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's saying that to Christians. He said, be careful. The enemies looking for openings. He's looking for open doors. He's looking to see where there's sin. He's looking to see 
where uh, there's an entry and he takes that opportunity. So let's don't give place to the devil. Right? Let's don't give place to him. Amen. The devil seeking those who have spiritual wounds caused by bitterness, unforgiveness, etc. Which is in turn a door for the enemy who uses our woundedness. Very unfair. Huh? The devil's never fair. Yeah. He uses our wounds, our traumas, as res and or responses that we have towards the things to devour us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had one lady that I ministered to, and um, she had a terrible car. Um, she was hit by a car when she was uh, on the sidewalk. She was hit by a car and was injured slightly. Praise the Lord. She wasn't uh, injured. She had to go to the hospital. But because of the experience, and, and nobody really helped her or asked how she was doing or assisted her, through the shock and the trauma of it all, a spirit of fear came in her life. It used that trauma, take him, take over. And we thought, we're just going to do some inner healing prayers. So this may be for different things. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, let's look at the accident. Pray for this accident and pray inner healing for her, for that situation and for the fear. And that spirit started to manifest, the spirit of fear. So we took authority over and commanded to leave in Jesus' name. But she didn't know it was there. She didn't know that spirit of fear had come in her life at that point of trauma. So the enemy is not fair. He uses our wounds. He uses our wrong reactions to unforgiveness, etc. to have an open door in our life. So beware. Beware that the enemy cannot attack you. Amen? Amen. I don't want to scare you. I just want to make you aware. Hallelujah. <laughs> Some of us have some cleanup to do. I can see some of you go, oh my God, I've got so much to do now. <laughs> That's fine. No problem. Let's clean up because it's important. If you want to make a new step of faith, come into your calling that God's called you to and not have any resistance and attacks all the time. And let's clean up so the enemy has no way of stopping you. Yeah? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Here's an interesting picture. And I was, you know, I use this picture a lot in my course because I say the enemy can only be in your life if he has a right. He can only be in there. And this, this, he has a house, he builds a house, and it consists of many different things. And I said trauma, curses, word curses, negative expectations inner vows, but they're always made in painful situations, all these things. Ungodly soul ties, wrong relationships, sexual relationships outside of marriage, ungodly ties, generational sins and patterns that come into the generation, generational curses because of occult or other things, curses that have come. And this builds the house where he can live. And he has a right to sit in that house because all those things are there. And during the course, what I do is I tear, we tear down inner vows. We tear down negative expectations. We pray for healing for trauma. We break generational curses and ties. And we tear down his house. And guess what? He can't stay anymore. Mm. He can't stay. The house is torn down. And that's why the Bible says in Luke that when the house was empty and swept. Yeah. Do you know that scripture? Yes. That this person had already had a deliverance and the house was empty and swept. And that's the enemy cannot stay if he has no legal right. 
So we have to take away his legal rights. And I said generational things can be legal rights. Trauma, he, he sneaks in, but also the, all these things. And when we tear down his house, he can't stay. Amen. And that's what I really like, because when I pray for deliverance for people, we've tear, torn down his house first, and then we cast them out. And we don't have people falling on the floor, turning into snakes. <laughs> it, they leave, it leaves in a, in a gentle way. We have some manifestations, but just gentle ones, easy ones. And because you're not, if you, if you, want, if you confront Satan head on, and he has a right to stay in that person, there's going to be a fight. And if you're anointing, if you have an anointing for the gift of, of miracles, the demon has to leave. But the house is still built, and it's empty. And guess what the Bible says? Seven times, seven, it comes back with seven more. It's important to tear down that house first and then cast the devil out. And then ask the Holy Spirit to fill the place. But if you leave the house standing because you've got an anointing and it has to leave because you have an anointing of the Holy Spirit for miracles, working in miracles, it has to go. But the house is still there. Yeah. So it's really important when you do deliverance ministry to remember that. To go through forgiveness and all these things. Tear down the house first and then kick them out. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Amen. So this is the last one, hallelujah. <laughs> the Lord has anointed me to bring beauty instead of ashes. Jesus sends us to bring beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness or for depression, and uh, he sends us to bring beauty to people, to help them give up their ashes, and to look at, you know, you have to first of all admit that you have ashes, and if you hide them, there's no freedom, but if you can admit you have ashes and you want prayer for them, then God can do something with them, but as long as you keep them here, God's not going to touch them. You have to bring them out so he can touch them. Get rid of them. Don't hide things because they will manifest in your life sooner or later. Don't hide it. It doesn't. It doesn't go away. And the thing about uh, what I really like, I call this divine exchange. Divine exchange. That we give our ashes, He gives us beauty. Amen. We give Him our mourning. Yes. He gives us joy. We give Him our heaviness, sorrow, depression. And he gives us a garment of praise. That's joy. That's praising. You can't praise God very well when you're depressed. It's difficult. Very difficult. And so I call this divine exchange. You exchange your garbage, and he gives you beauty. He gives you freedom. He gives you forgiveness. He gives you uh, freedom in Christ. A freedom to live for him. A freedom to stay pure, a freedom to choose good relationships in the future, a freedom to break free from generational curses. Hallelujah. Are you ready for that? Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can you join me for a minute, John? Yeah. Take the mic. Yes. Just take a moment to pray and for the people. But let's all stand together. Yeah. I think Georgia just covered uh, a lot of territory here. <clears throat> a lot of things that uh, speak to a different part of our 
our makeup, a different part of our person, of who we are. But, you know, these are all avenues that the enemy can use to cause a lot of destruction, Amen. cause a lot of unhappiness, to cause a lot of division, and to, you know, to really, really prevent God's will from being done in your life. Amen. And often when we're seeking to follow God, we don't realize that these things are an obstruction. And we run into it much later. Sometimes when it's, you know, when you've gone through a lot of difficulty, you realize there's something else at work here. So today we want to just pray. Yes, and we want to just break everything that the enemy would have tried to use, whether it's in your past or wherever it may have come from, in situations you've been involved in, where you know that these could be responsible for blockages in your life right now. We want to remove those blockages in the name of Jesus. So Father, we just pray right now. Father, we just break every attempt of the enemy to produce some kind of a blockage in our lives. Father, whether it's come through generational curses, whether it's come handed down, Father, because of situations that have happened to us. Father, we do not want anything to obstruct the will of God in our lives. So we break and tear down every one of these things right now. In the name of Jesus, just begin to pray. Just begin to break that in the name of Jesus. Just say, I don't desire to have those things operate in my life. I want the Spirit of God to be in me. I don't want the past to haunt me and to break anything that God wants to do. In the name of Jesus, Father, we just thank you. Thank you for the deliverance, Father. Thank you for the freedom that we have. Thank you for the beauty that we're going to have instead of ashes, Father God. We just thank you that you're here today to set us free, Father. We long to be, Father, in your presence. We long to be in that season, in that time that you've chosen for us, Father. In the name of Jesus. Father, we forgive in Jesus' name anyone that you have held resentments to. We forgive them, Lord. We just give that name up to the Lord now and tell them that you forgive this person. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. So just tell the Lord, Lord, I forgive so-and-so who has done wrong against me, who's divorced me. I forgive for uh, treated me wrongly. Father, I just forgive that person in Jesus' name. And just tell the Lord the name. Hallelujah. We break the chain in Jesus' name of unforgiveness. We break that chain and we set each one free emotionally, spiritually, and physically. We cut that chain through unforgiveness in Jesus' name. We cut it through and we call it taken care of, covered by the blood of Jesus. Lord, we need that person that is harmless in your hands. And you said that uh, judgment is mine. You said that revenge is mine. So we put that person in your hands. They're no longer our concern. They're no longer, we don't have to think about them any longer. We need them in your hands, Father. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Now just tell me, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I cut all generational ties to occult, uh, conscious or unconscious occult, from my family, to my generation. And I cut the tie in Jesus' name. I cut the occult tie in Jesus' name. I cut the unclean spirit tie in the generations. In Jesus' name. They shall not affect me. I will live a pure life in Christ. No unclean spirit can live in me. And he cannot come to the generations any longer. In Jesus' name. Thank you for setting me free, Lord. For all the effects of a broken heart. Heal my heart now. So lay your hand on your heart and just ask the Holy Spirit to heal. 
Heal brokenness, Holy Spirit. Heal harm. Heal sorrow. Heal broken relationships, opportunity to thwart what God wants to do in our lives. So we've, we've done that this afternoon. It's, it's, uh, it's just been, a, we've just touched on it. It goes a lot deeper, of course, and we realize that, which is kind of touching the surface. But it's just to make you aware of the fact that the enemy can use all sorts of avenues in our lives to try and thwart what God is trying to do. And we just want to give, don't want to give him any opportunity right. to do that. So we're cutting those things off and making sure that God's got first place. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for your attention this afternoon. I know it's a bit difficult sometimes after lunch, but we're going to give it up to Pastor. And we will see you tonight.